0: Sunday night I got a call from a man on Tunnel Road who said uh, a couple of friends of yours are here. They've turned their car over. I mean they have turned it over. It's upside down. And they want to know if you could come get them. And I said to myself, Oh, a couple more drunk deacons. <coughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but Every weekend we have to b- bail Mary Lou out of the jail
1: <laughs>
0: She's written graffiti all over the cell In, in calligraphy you see. <coughs> And then John Huntress Well... John Huntress breaks into a first-name boutique every Saturday night. The police come and get him. He's got Jack Daniels in one hand. He's got a pinstripe blue suit in the other hand. And he mutters, I'm tired of being a cowboy. I want to wear real clothes. So this was no surprise. I went down there, and sure enough, it was two deacons. (laughs) Well, what had happened I will leave them nameless you can try to figure out who they were but as they were driving on Tonneau Road the uh, car according to them very peacefully (coughs) slid across the road and picked the deepest part of Tonneau Road to tumble down sure enough it was way 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 down there Uh, upside down. And they were laughing hilariously. As a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons the man wouldn't let them in their house. (laughs) Here they had just had an accident and they were bent over laughing.
1: Uh,
0: And they still were when I arrived there. uh, They explained the whole thing. They said that uh, they had sets of Course and Miracles in the car, and they had dispensable church song books and that as they tumbled down the side, these spanked them all the way down <laughs> and there was also a little dog, uh, and the dog sat on top of them. Uh, they were upside down. The dog, of course, was a little bit frightened by all this.
1: <laughs> we're
0: going to open up a section for dogs so that this won't happen here at the <laughs> church. But it was frightened, and uh, it was pitch black. It could have been a very scary thing. You wouldn't have thought anybody could have lived from looking at, look, looking at the thing. So um, I got there, and uh, about that time, the sheriff arrived and uh, started uh, filling out his report. Uh, and uh, there's still much gaiety and laughter about all this as as a man drove up. Now, this was really a hor- horrifying scene to see this car so far down. And there, there was the sheriff, and then the fire department came also, and there were some other things there. There wasn't a fire, but, you know, you don't have anything, nothing to do on Saturday night. Every, everybody comes. <coughs> so... Uh, a man and his wife drove by and they looked out their window uh, and asked if they could be of help but they, they, their expressions were very disapproving because there was all this laughter
1: and people
0: <laughs> said, no, uh, no one was hurt, ha, 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 ha <laughs> uh, went off well, uh, of course, in typical uh, Santa Fe Fashion. Uh, after a period of time, uh, the wrecker came, and then uh, the city police came, and the sheriff came over and said, "I'm sorry that we've had to spend all this time writing out this report and taking measurements and everything, but it so happens this is not my jurisdiction." And so then, of course, we did the whole thing with the uh, city police. The wrecker got the car out very gently pulled it up. Uh, It was remarkably undamaged. Uh, Must have been the Course in Miracles in there. Either that or they they, uh, pounded out the the dents as it went down. I'm not sure which. The thing that was so encouraging to me about this was not only that these were our deacons, (laughs) but that no one and all three of us were on, I guess you would say, a spiritual path, once asked each other, what did this mean? Not once did that come up. And a few years back, we all agreed that we would have been raking over and over and over this, trying to discover some meaning in it all. The driver of the car said, God is with me now in the old days that would have meant what that God pushed you off the side of the road was that when God was with you uh, this was literally the deepest part of Tunnel Road was that where God was with us that uh, that, that, that was the place that the car fell off uh, that the man wouldn't let them in the house is that where God was with them uh, the the uh, Record services never seem to do it quite right, no matter how they do it. Is that where God, was it the duplication of the report and so forth? Or was it the fact that uh, no one was uh, injured? Well, in other words, where do you come in and say, well, at this point God entered, until then he was on the golf course. <laughs> what do, do you do? At what point does God enter and, and, you, and you evoke his name? What she meant was, everyone was so kind." And she kept saying that over and over, Everyone's so nice." And the the fire department stopped uh, the guy volunteer fire department from the Tuzuki, uh, he went down and recovered the course of miracles and uh, song books and things. And, uh, people were solicitous, and the sheriff was real nice, and the policeman was nice and so forth. But there were some unnice things, which I've always already recounted. The fact was that she didn't see them. Or if she saw them, she dismissed them long enough to really feel the presence of God. There was no presence of God in any part of the accident. Either the good parts or the bad parts. The good part was that almost no damage was done to the car whatsoever. And what damage was done was paid for. No one was hurt. That's the good part. The bad part is that she fell off of Tonneau Road. She could have railed against Tonneau Road because someone falls off of Tonneau Road at least every three days. Uh, this is why I can always get my little boy to wake up on his way back from school uh, because we hit Tonneau Road and he knows there's going to be some some accident there that he can look at so this could be this could have been complained against but she chose not to i promise you that if she had been looking for the meaning of this thing she would have been very confused and i doubt seriously that she would have said isn't everyone nice how loving people are how nice people are Last night, I was over at another deacon's house. We'll we'll paint you a real true picture of this church here by the time I get through. This deacon was playing with another deacon. These were two deacons unrelated to the accident. They were playing poker. I know that. I see your faces falling. But they were. And uh, this particular deacon, whose house it was, said, I haven't won all night. And I said, well, Gail was doing just fine until about two days ago, and now the morning sickness has come back. I don't think she's going to be able to be there in the morning. Would you be assistant minister? And uh, she bent her head and made coughing sounds and real active enthusiasm. <laughs> <so far. laughs> and uh, I put my arm on her shoulder, and I said, if you will be assistant master, you will start winning from this time on.
1: <laughs> would you mind?
0: Would you mind standing up and saying what happened? Just <laughs> say
1: And from then on, I won mean, practically every hand. <laughs> I
0: think you collected 25 cents. It was big stakes. I want you to realize this. Now this is, I I told her I would explain in the talk how I did this. (laughs) I'll tell you how to do this. You can do this. Anybody can do this. What you do is you make a statement like that on every possible occasion. (laughs) If someone is sick, you say, I will commence treatment, and you will be well in 10 days. And uh, then you make another statement uh, about finances. Oh, you need money? Uh, let me work on that. In three mo- months, you will have $40,000. And you make this kind of statement, and you make it on every possible occasion, and this kind of thing will happen about one out of a 100 times. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a very interesting thing about human nature. The 99 times will be forgotten, and you will become famous for the one time that it worked out. I kid you not. This is the the truth. There is a person in our household who subscribes to TV Guide. And
1: uh,
0: (laughs) on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, when I pick up the mail, i tell you, you can feel the vibes as you approach the mailbox. (laughs) I think it's what's chipping the paint on my car. (laughs) And so I picked up the TV guide because I'm a kind and open-hearted person and very forgiving and uh, as God would have it, when I got home, I emptied the mail out, and the TV guide happened to open to an article about John Madden, Coach Madden. And this was, of course, a sign that I should read that article, <laughs> which I did dutifully. I was going to ask you how many people I'd argue, but you wouldn't admit it, would you? <laughs>
1: it's
0: a current TV guy, if you want to check up on me. On this one. <laughs> After John Madden got through with his coaching career with the Raiders and went on to commentating, he had to begin flying commercial airlines for whatever CBS, I think it is, that he works for. And the first time he got on a commercial airline, because he'd been flying chartered planes up up till that time, these sensations came over. He wasn't able to sit in his chair, and he had to walk up and down the aisle the whole time. Didn't know what that was about. But the second time, got on the plane. Everything was fine until the door closed. Same thing happened. Feelings of weakness and nervousness and certain sensation in the pit of his stomach and so forth. This happened two or three times. And do you know what he said to himself? I don't need this. And he started driving a car or taking a train. Now, a person on a spiritual path would have taken this as some sort of sign that maybe he wasn't supposed to be uh, doing commentary work, which he dearly loves and does beautifully. It never occurred to him, as far as I know, as far as the article is concerned, that this should be read as some sort of sign. He shouldn't ask himself, why do I suddenly have this problem? He just said, I don't need this And he avoided the situation that brought it about. In the reading from the Course this morning, there was the statement that a Course in Miracles presents a general truth that takes the place of all the little specific truths that are there. And that is what we attempt to do at this church. Basically, we present one idea that encompasses all the other ideas, the single most important idea. This is not an idea that is for everyone, obviously. There are people who are not ready to hear it, and there are those, of course, who are beyond it and don't need it. But the single idea that's presented, hopefully in every service, in one form or another, is that the peace of God is more important than possessions or gossip or attacking someone or being mad or anything else that you can think of in this world. But that the peace of God is up to you. The peace of God has been put in your arms like a very small baby But it is now up to you to protect this small baby. And if I were to place a newborn baby in the arms of any person in this room, you would protect it against anything. You would be able to walk through the mall. And even the the, the sight of a sail, you would not drop the baby. The people drop their spouse. They drop the goodwill of their spouse or their friends because there's a sale. If they walked outside and the wind was blowing, they might drop their friend or their child or their parent who walked beside them and pick up their personal comfort and make it more important. And say something like, uh, could we talk about that later? I'm real cold. Let's get to the car. You can think of a hundred ways, I'm sure, in which you and I have dropped kindness and peace because we're all together. Basically, in this church, we have a level of learning. We're all on the same level. We're taking the steps at the same time. There are people who, of course, come in and go out. They may hear a calling, or they may realize that there's another way that's better and more peaceful for them. But here, in this sort of core family that meets here every Sunday, we are at the point where we are beginning to realize the importance of the peace of God But we have not yet put it above everything else. So I can speak with confidence in saying that this is what happens to you when you get up in the morning. Perhaps you have your quiet time. Perhaps you take a moment to turn your thought to God or whatever your word for God is. And maybe you have a a little peace for a moment or two but how fragile this peace is. And please notice how anything, almost anything can happen and it's gone like that. It is so fragile, almost any wind blows it away. Almost any bump jars it loose. Take the peace of God like a newborn baby And cradle it in your arms. And protect it all through the day. That is the only thing that we need to do. You protect the peace. You hold the peace. You make it more important than anything else. It's like a candle. That you must protect against the wind. A little candle has been placed in your hand. And now you walk... Through your life, and you avoid the swinging doors because of the breeze they make. And you look at everything because your purpose is to keep the candle lit. Your purpose is to protect the child. You look at everything in the day and ask only one question Will this protect my peace? Will my peace be safe in this circumstance? Will my peace survive my getting angry on this occasion? And then, as you select the things that allow the peace to be maintained, a very interesting thing begins to happen. The peace itself grows, envelops you, and spreads out. And now it's an umbrella that shelters you. And now it's a path that you can walk on and receive no bruise. And now it fills your friends. It softens any occasion. And the places now that you must avoid slowly, very, very slowly begin to vanish. And there are more places that you can walk on this earth. And there are more circumstances that you can enter. Because the peace is beginning to grow. And all that's necessary is that we make the peace of God more important than anything else. Nothing else has to be done. That is the one answer. That is the awakening. That sheds thousands of years. That will make your very death a happy occasion, not because death will give you anything, because it will give you nothing. But because you will look back and you will say, ah, oh, I haven't wasted one more lifetime. I didn't get caught up year after year after year. And one more pursuit after pursuit after pursuit that meant nothing left me drained. And now where is it all? There are, of course, healings, and we have talked about the fact that there is a time just before you relinquish your ego in which you will be able to manipulate the world. But you would never use that word. You will be able to heal in the way that it seems best. But the chances are you will not choose to do so. Or if you choose to do so, you will do it very, very quietly. And then the time will come in which you will see even that amount of healing or changing does not accomplish anything. But there are healings even on our level. There are healings. A healing is a very, very lovely thing. It does not come about in the way that many people think that it does through some sort of right formula, saying the right words or working hard enough at it It doesn't come through long, tedious study of some sort. Anyone can heal, and a lot of people heal and don't realize it. There are a lot of people who have sat by someone's bed and have joined with that person for just a moment without any belief in God or the way or awakening or any of the terms we use here. But they joined, and there was a moment of light they just felt very, very good and they, perhaps they didn't pay particular attention to it. It felt so natural to feel their oneness with this brother or this sister. And then there was a remarkable healing or there was the beginning of a, a recovery that wasn't expected. It began with this moment of light. So, of course, there are healings, but they are not sought. And we do not decide who needs it. But in practicing opening the heart and in practicing joining with our brother and our sister, with our plants and our pets, with our parents, and even our government, as we practice doing that kind of thing, then that embraces all the systems and all the learnings, all the meditations and the mantras and the affirmations, because they lead only to this. In fact, Joe Goldsmith suggested only this kind of prayer. Joe Goldsmith suggested that you not take even wish, what you wish to heal into the meditation itself. He was talking to an audience at a certain level of learning. And... For the most part, the people that were listening to him were at a place where they could do that. Not heal necessarily, but they could see that it wasn't necessary to bring that which they wished healed into the meditation itself. And so, he said, just heal. Just turn to God. Just become one with spirit. And they could understand that. For many people, it is a a, a good thing and and a helpful thing to use some sort of starting mechanism, some sort of warming up of the mind, some sort of formalizing which sort of will give you a push in the right direction. And so this morning, I thought we could talk just a little bit about some of these pushes that we can give ourselves. But it must be understood that the push is in the direction of the peace of God and filling your heart with the peace of God so that you become happier and kinder instantly. And you melt a little bit. Your defenses melt a little bit. And you realize it's not so important to be you, this you that you think you are. Let it be said that anything that accomplishes this is just fine. I know a young girl right now who's dying of cancer. She's probably in her last days now, and she holds a surgical glove filled with water. And as she holds it, she thinks of the hand of Jesus. And this gives her great comfort. I don't know how that occurred to her. It makes no difference. I've never heard that suggested. It makes no difference. It came to her. It comforts her greatly. And it represents a fact. That Jesus does in fact hold her hand. And this is a girl who grew up in a family. Who were atheists. And the word Jesus was crazy and silly. And dumb. And even a few weeks ago, she had tremendous difficulty with the word Jesus. I know of no one who's talked to her about Jesus. I haven't. But something happened in her, in her own heart. And this is what she's now doing. Anything that opens our heart and softens us towards other people and makes us relax and not worry for just a moment is a good thing. Last summer, I was going, I was early part of the summer, I was going outside. I noticed that John didn't have his shoes on. He was, uh, I forget, he's three and three quarters now, as I've told you. (laughs) And uh, he, uh, so I don't know how that would make him. But anyway, he didn't have his shoes on. I said, John, Uh, You better put your shoes on out there. Uh, You know, you're going to have to walk on the driveway, and that's all rocks and everything. He said, no, I'll do this. I I said, what? I'll I'll do this. I don't need my shoes. Well, I didn't know what he was talking about, so he went outside, and he started walking on the gravel, and he'd go... (laughs) (laughs) And that made it all right. (laughs) You see, it doesn't matter. (coughs) The last couple Sundays we've been talking about uh, backaches and colds and headaches and depression and all that kind of thing. When I used to do uh, a great deal of running, I had great deal of problems with my back, and it was about at the end of the running time that I uh, began turning to God for the first time in a very, very long time, after having spent many, many years of having no use for any of that stuff, and I had this... Overwhelming desire to do nothing but rely on God for everything. For every single thing. I didn't even want to eat. I just wanted to breathe in God. I didn't want to ever have to buy another thing. I thought maybe there was some way I wouldn't ever have to even go purchase another thing. I wanted just nothing but God. And that was a very, very pure desire. I wasn't at the level of learning where I could carry something out like that but it was very deeply felt, and I had been doing a lot of exercises every day to keep my back in shape, loosen up the muscles, and so forth, and as long as I did the exercises, I got by pretty well, but I didn't want that now. I wanted to rely on God for everything, and the imagery that I used was that every time I would get up from a chair, because it would seem that that was the time that would cause me the most problem I would picture Jesus leaning down and lifting me up and every time I had to pick something up off of the floor I would pick Jesus going down with me and lifting me up and the back problem just disappeared completely here it is about five years later and it's come back just a little little bit. So it wasn't a permanent healing or a complete healing. But that helped. It was an imagery that helped. Many people would not find that helpful because it's too personal a sense of God. And that's just fine. We don't have to have a personal sense of God. It must be remembered that even advanced teachers, as A Course in Miracles points out, experience pain and difficulty. It is clear that even the coming of Christ to the little boy from Nazareth did not make his ego life happier. It is clear that even having the child did not make his mother happier. It is clear On an ego level. It is clear. That the apostles. Life. That their ego life. Would not be considered a happy ego life. It isn't the kind of life you would choose. Having a course in miracles come to Helen Shuckman. Did not make her happier. Most people did not consider. Helen a happy person. And she remained a fairly unhappy person until the day she died. It must be remembered that on an ego level, that as long as we have an ego, we are going to experience some pain. We're going to experience some difficulty. And it's also a good thing to know that as you make your first efforts to walk on a spiritual path, things are going to get worse rather than better. It will be the hardest time that you've ever gone through. And there will be a few other hard times that you will go through as you go along. But in the beginning is probably the hardest. It is unrealistic and unnecessary to expect all that to magically go away. And how Christianity has gotten caught up in one form or another all spectrums of Christianity, and promising some sort of lovely, beautiful, wealthy uh, ego life as reward for a spiritual path, I don't know. Where are the antecedents for that? Now, this is something that I have mentioned here before, and always when I have mentioned it, I have said that if ever you call anybody on this, If ever you tell someone that they are not doing it right, that they shouldn't be talking about the truth of God in relationship to putting more money in their pocket or or getting them the right house or so forth, if ever you say that to someone, you have totally missed the point. I say that to you because you know what to expect when you come here, and I know that the number one hindrance to making spiritual advancement is this belief that there should be some reward for it in the world. That our life should look different. That our marriage should be improved. That our children should be better. That our clothes should be right. That our life should be longer. This is not true. Nor is it true that you must wait until you die to receive your reward. Because God is now and your reward is now. And so even though your car falls off the deepest part of Tonno Road, you can double over in laughter and you can be happy. This is what a spiritual path is. Well, you will step back and laugh at all. Of course, where else do you expect your car to fall off except at the deepest part? Of course the sheriff doesn't have jurisdiction and the police have to do it all over again. What do you expect? That's the nature of the world. Remember the good old days which uh, you could call someone a numbskull? I mean, they only have a few things you can call people now and you can't say them in church but do you remember that does anybody remember numskull? that's a wonderful that's what we need more of see. <laughs> see on the other hi- on the other hand there was dunderhead <laughs> ever heard that? now dunder comes as you all know comes from the french verb and it means thunder thunderhead so there is numskull on the one hand and there is dunderhead on the other. And what you want is to be a numbskull, a precious fool. I see some people looking at me very suspiciously. <laughs> but this is true. It's in the quieting of the mind and the stilling of the heart that we can be happy. It's in not asking, why did the accident happen? Or why am I sick? Or why do I have this particular physical problem? Or why is there this recurring something? It's in stopping asking that question and becoming questionless that our heart fills with joy and people really do stare at you sometimes from their car and they don't understand that this is serious business having an accident like that. <laughs> and these people were very upset. I tell you, they were very upset at all the hilarity.
1: <laughs>
0: now, you don't, of course, going around, you don't go around making people upset by being happier than thou,
1: Because
0: you know. <laughs> the old, the other old expression was, "Do you want a knuckle sandwich?" <laughs> and uh, that's what people will be saying to themselves, you know, as you laugh on any occasion. So I'm not suggesting an affect. This is a, this is a welling up that takes place. This is really, really true. What I'm telling you is true. I'm really telling you the truth. I have worked very hard at this. And I can tell you that if you will begin the day and make the peace of God the most important thing and protect it all through the day and anything that starts happening that you realize for you is going to allow you to drop your peace, you simply walk around it. You don't challenge it or make an issue or anything else. You just walk around it. The peace begins to grow. And you can be happy in circumstances you never dreamed you could be happy in. And the interesting thing that will happen is that you won't particularly care whether or not you have to come back. Because you'll begin to feel such happiness and such peace from the presence of God. And you'll begin to sense the presence of those who have given up their egos because that's all Christ is. Christ are is your brothers and sisters who have given up their ego and they've become one, and they're here to help you. And they'll begin helping you in little ways and speaking to you. And they're not they're not going to be some sort of uh, guardian angel in the old sense in which they're going to do things in the world for you and give you special advantages. And you'll want to be with your family these people who have laid aside their egos, you'll want to join with them and help others too. And you'll be happy enough that you won't particularly care what the circumstances of, of your life are or what's happening to your body at this particular time in your life. Just to make it more important than anything else, not to put anything else ahead of it, simple peace and kindness Simple comfort and relaxation? The answer is so simple. All we need is to begin to see the importance of it. And now, what happens is that people say, ah, I've got to do things now. There's certain things I've got to do because I'm not experiencing what Hugh is talking about. And so I'm going to have to schedule meditations and I'm going to have to make certain rules on never to see so-and-so again as long as I live and all this stuff. <laughs> nothing, that's nothing to do with that. That is a complete waste of time. Don't make rules. It's all right to schedule a meditation. If you're totally flexible about it and see that it doesn't work, you you can change it. But if you start feeling guilty because you scheduled it, you're not living up to it, then, of course, that's just the higher ego that's come into the whole thing. Now, what are some of the things that tend to blow out this little candle? We've been talking recently about things like colds and backaches and headaches and all that kind of stuff. We've talked about depression. And in the past, we've talked about that wonderful AA. Um, what is, what, what, what's the word where uh, every letter stands for a different word? What's all? Acronym, yeah, an acronym, which is HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. H-A-L-T. So you begin to watch for things like that. Am I getting physically tired? You cannot carry on if you are physically tired. And in the name of some sort of celestial sacrifice, you will see people who have uh, a husband with an addiction or a child with a, a birth defect or a a parent who's gone senile, or something like that, and suddenly they are absolutely physically exhausting themselves, thinking that it's more kind to do that. If you are like me, you are not at the level where you can become physically tired and still keep this little candle from blowing out. Possibly you can with hunger. Some people that affect some people more than it does other lots of people go overreact to hunger It's very interesting to watch people eat Maybe it's not interesting to you <laughs> uh, But notice and this is not a criticism, but just notice what the ego does people often become selfish when they start eating especially at a potluck <laughs> have you noticed when you have 25 people trying to get to the potluck table You see, I don't know where all the talk about kindness and brotherly love goes but there's these arms reaching in and all kinds of things you see lonely a lot of people don't think there's anything they can do about lonely you can do something about lonely if you'll look at it If you'll sit in peace before you get lonely, you know it's coming up Saturday night or Christmas or whatever the thing is or that time of the week or whatever it is. You know it's coming up. And so you sit down and you say, what do I want to try this time? There will be a tremendous resistance to this simple, straightforward approach. Do not underestimate the fact that your ego wishes for you to continue being lonely and will ask that you try nothing. It will give you countless arguments as to why you must remain lonely, because so-and-so has left you, because your friends are all in the other town, uh, because whatever it is, a thousand reasons as to why you you don't have to remain lonely. And being unlonely doesn't mean that you have someone with you. It means that you're not lonely. That's what it means. Whether there's someone with you or not. It has nothing to do with whether someone's with you. And so you ask yourself, what would I like to try? What would I like to try? Don't try to get somebody with you. Try to not be lonely. Your ego always has an automatic solution for any of these things. It thinks the automatic solution to hunger is obviously food. And it thinks having another person physically present is the the answer to loneliness. Isn't it obvious that it's not? Haven't you felt very lonely even though you're very physically close to another person? Maybe day in and day out, and yet you feel very, very lonely? That is so obviously absurd. And angry. The ego will say we must honor our anger. We must protect it. You cannot be honest and angry at the same time. You cannot be angry in the name of honesty because you are not angry and that you're not honoring yourself and there's nothing in there to ventilate. You are not angry and there is no anger in you. And that's why stillness evaporates. it, And that's why pausing or just breaking from the situation can make it all go away. Because it's not you. It's your self-image. It's the way you think your self-image must respond in this particular set of circumstances are because all this stuff has gone on and suddenly there's this that happens that symbolizes the whole thing. Like once again, you represent The people who are always late for their reservation and you walk in the restaurant and suddenly someone explodes. That's not because you were late. It's because of all these other people who were late and you represent them. That's that that person's ego and ego history. Has to be mad. This can't go on. I'm not going to take this anymore. And you walk in the door, you see. And so... With depression, which causes a lot of people to become panicked. They can feel it coming on. We talked about it like this cage that seems to be lowered down over you. You're getting depressed now. Now, the interesting thing is that you can be depressed without being discouraged. And this is a very helpful distinction. It is not necessary for you to be discouraged. All you have to do is to remind yourself how simple and direct the truth is. What you are to do is obvious and it's simple and you know it in your heart. Even a little child knows it. You know what to do. How can you be discouraged if the truth is very simple? So you have no use for discouragement and you can legitimately take a stand against it and refuse to be discouraged. But do not do that with depression. Because depression at this point seems to be something that's almost physical. Maybe it's even thought to be biological. Or have something to do with your nutrition. Or have it something to do with the circumstances in your life at this particular time. You can be peacefully depressed and so you're just very depressed now but you're not discouraged you're very depressed and maybe you just go curl up on the bed and 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 get into some sort of meditative state in which you're sort of peaceful just saying something over and over to yourself and don't try to get rid of it and let it run its course Now then, if you want to go out and try a new vitamin or something later, that's fine. It's okay to try something, but try it from your heart. Try something simple. Wait until it comes up. Try this particular thing. Don't go running around looking for the perfect solution because it's a general misconception that there is some perfect answer out there to everything. And that somehow you can get the answer and, it'll, and you'll cure it just like that. That's not true. You might cure it or you might not, but nothing's going to be cured permanently until you relinquish your ego. And in the meantime, if you wish to try something, fine. If you don't wish to try something, be a depressed person. These are wonderful people. <laughs> Aren't some of your best friends very depressed and you feel like sending them a little box of nails, you know, Christmas? And <laughs> this is just fine if they are peacefully depressed. It's okay. It's just, a, it's just a personality. It's all right. So you don't fight it. You don't run from it and you don't battle it and you don't think, oh my God, I'm getting depressed again. Your period, is the, your period is the same, of course. Hugh, how can you talk about periods? <laughs> well, I once knew someone who had a period.
1: <laughs> it's a
0: little inside joke, Gail's pregnant now to see. <laughs> <laughs> the body doesn't turn against us once a month the body is our friend let your body be whatever it is it is a particular way it's prone to certain things and not prone to others and that's just fine just let it be that way maybe it's prone to a lot of colds that's just fine let it be prone to a lot of colds you may be able to take a few simple steps it'll it'll help that's fine but if you don't want to you don't have to it has nothing to do with the peace of god Whatever you think about is not worth thinking. There isn't anything to think about. Not colds or depression or periods or backaches or anger or hunger or loss of friends. There isn't anything to think about. Nothing has to be decided in advance. That is a sufficient answer. If you could take that one sentence and place it in your heart, you would have have advanced to the highest meditative state that it is possible to advance to because you would not think about almost everything that you now think about if you took that one (coughs) sentence and held it in your heart. Nothing has to be decided in advance. Nothing has to be decided in advance. Now, it's a very interesting thing. What happens? The body that we identify with and we think we are and we get so scared because it looks like it's going to be destroyed. Where does that leave us? Because we've identified with this. We think that's what we are. The body lives in the past and in the future. It has to. It's either correcting mistakes or it's preparing for the future. That's what it's doing almost all day long. Almost all day long. And there's no, and that's what it's got to do. It either has to correct mistakes or prepare for the future. And so people hear statements like, nothing has to be decided in advance. And they think that they're not supposed to make uh, plane reservations. Or they're not supposed to uh, st- stack up firewood for the winter or Something like that. Or buy the number three beans, you know, at Bagenshaven or whatever Because <laughs> there's a real deal on them. It <laughs> doesn't mean that at all. It means that we go right ahead doing what bodies must do, but we don't think about the past or the future. So you can take care of everything that you need to take care of And still be in the present. As a matter of fact, you will take care of it a hundred times better if your mind is content and at rest and at peace in the present. And then you go ahead and do the things that seem to pertain to the future, because most of them do. Or they're correcting something that, that you already did. That's what it means. It pertains to the mind. This is a science of the mind. The metaphysical movement has a number of interesting terms. Christian science, science of Christ, divine science, the laws of God, science of the mind. All of these are accurate terms. They are not accurate if you you take them and use them in a way in which they are not obviously meant to be used, which is science of the world. It's not a science of the world. There are laws of God. And they protect you and they hold you up. They surround you. And they're as simple as your willingness to be happy now. That's how simple they are. You will not make a mistake if you are at peace in the present. Has anyone ever given you a greater promise than that? You will never make a mistake if you are at peace in the present. It is not possible. Be at peace. That's all we have to do, is be at peace. If you wish something to do, you return your mind to peace. You return your mind to the present. You do not attempt to keep your mind in the present. That's not being a numbskull. numbskull merely tries to bring the mind back to the present and the victory is in bringing the mind back so at our level of learning this is how it works do not try to keep your mind in the present but every time you notice that your mind has wandered off and is trying to decide something in advance or is raking over something in the past you just look at it you turn your gaze on it and back it comes And it puts a little piece of light in your pocket. It drops a little ball of light inside of you. So this is the way it operates. Every time, your mind will go off immediately. But it will not go off without having left its gift. Now you may not notice this gift. But it's there nonetheless. Your mind goes off. You watch it. It comes back. It gives you a gift of peace. It puts a little peace in your heart. You didn't even notice it. It gives you just a teeny bit of happiness. It increases the store of your of your love and your kindness. Just a, Then it goes off immediately. And your ego will say, oh, it went off immediately. You can't even keep your mind in the present. Which, of course, is immediately thinking about the past to say that, isn't it? And so, but you say, no, no, I don't care about that. The game... It's to bring it back. It's not to keep it. It's to bring it back. And so it goes off and you watch it and it comes back in a little more peace. And it goes off and you watch it in a little more kindness. And it goes off and you watch it and it comes right back. It's your mind. It comes right back. This is what you want. Your heart knows that. That's why it comes back. It obeys your heart. It doesn't obey your ego. That's why it comes back when you look at it. Because it knows what your heart wants it's connected to your heart it's your mind it's an extension of your heart and so to look at it it will come back and it will give you a gift it will go unnoticed the number of times that you gently allow your mind to come back will determine your store of peace that's the only thing you have to do it doesn't matter if you've been thinking about something in the future or in the past for the last six hours that is irrelevant it affects nothing (laughs) but watch it and let it come back and a little gift has been added.